and welcome to another edition of Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Two Steps Ahead Podcast encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. I'm Son Edom. Coming up on the show, a couple of things I want to get to, but I want to start off with the college football playoffs. Now, perhaps a lot of you already know and have discussed and have your own opinions about the college football playoffs. If you don't know, real quick, the college football playoffs, there is a committee of 12, 13 people. The committee then picks the final four teams that will compete against each other with the winner then going on to become the national champion. And so the committee had a choice to make, and instead of picking an undefeated conference champion in Florida State of the ACC, they went with a one-loss team from the SEC in Alabama. And the reasoning is because they felt that the Florida State team is different because their quarterback got hurt and is no longer part of the team out for the season, and they felt Alabama and the SEC deserved to be there. All kinds of controversy, and all those people outside of the SEC and all those people outside of Alabama fans think that the committee got it wrong, which they did, and so we're going to talk about it, but not in a way that you might think we're going to discuss it. Now, when I say they got it wrong, first of all, we got to just recognize the fact that there are a lot more important things in the world than college football. Now, as a sports fan, I invest time, I invest money going to games, watching on TV, and so I enjoy college football, I enjoy sports in general, although my enjoyment in sports is becoming less and less and less with all the increase in problems that we're seeing in the sports world. But college football is one of them, and it relates to a lot more people than just sports fans because you have a lot of people that watch college football because they're alma mater, or maybe they have kids or relatives that went to a certain school. So it really encompasses more than just the sports fan. It encompasses the college community, alumni, current staff, current faculty, and current students. But when you have something that went down with the college football playoffs where an undefeated team does not get to go, to the final four because their quarterback got hurt, you're going to get a lot of blowback. And here's why. First off, though, I like some of the adjectives that I that I saw calling the decision nefarious, garbage, atrocious. I mean, there was some pretty intense emotion behind some of those adjectives, and those are just some of the, the clean ones. But we've known for decades that the college national champion for football, it's, it's mythical, let's be honest. It's never been proven on the field. Usually how it's gone, depending on how old you are, uh, you may or may not be familiar with the history. But before, back in, let's say, the 50s, 60s, 70s, you had the AP poll, you had the UPI poll, maybe a couple other polls. And at the end of the season, the members of those polls would vote, and then you become a national champion based on the votes. Then that got pretty silly, actually, and so we moved into the BCS age, and that involved computers. So now computers decided who was going to be in the national championship game, just one game, and that was decided upon things like strength of schedule, common opponents, um, scores, 
like, you know, how much you blew the other team out. I mean, all kinds of criteria that was all computer-based and that would be put into the system. And, like, one dude had this computer program that would determine it all. And so that got convoluted, so they got rid of that. Although, at the same time, the AP was still continuing with their voting, and so they could basically give a national champion to somebody that wasn't a part of the BCS. Like, if the BCS team won the BCS Bowl for the national champion – the AP could give theirs to somebody else. So, again, still mythical, still made up, still not settled on the field of battle in the gridiron, as they say. And so now you have this system where a committee, again, not really determined by what they do on the field. Now, you might say, oh, yes, it is. They look at everything. Well, you can't look at what happened this year and say Florida State did anything. They went undefeated. They had a perfect. Uh, they had perfection in their season, thirteen and zero, and they don't play for a national champion when somebody that had a blemish on their record got in. But you look back over the course of college football, and again, the national champion has been a mythical thing, especially when it comes to what the coaches poll was. That was another thing that they had uh, after the UPI poll went away. You had the coaches poll. Well, Bobby Bowden one time. After he retired, it was like the first Saturday the next season after his retirement, and they had him on an interview, and they asked him what he was doing, and he said he was spending his day watching college football and how he had never really watched college football before because he was either at his game, prepping for games, all this stuff. So, again, how would the coaches know which teams were the better teams? But, again, it was all this mythical national champion based on all this other stuff. On the committee this year, you've got a guy that is a uh, gymnasium owner. You've got a journalist. You've got the Michigan athletic director and a former chairman of the SEC. So obviously a lot of bias towards the SEC. And again, everybody that isn't an SEC fan or blinded by their fandom thought that the committee got it wrong. So Florida State goes undefeated, Power 5 conference, gets left out for an SEC team, and so everyone says SEC bias is alive and well. Well, what if we were to put this into a different perspective? I always felt that sports and coaching can teach valuable life lessons. However, it can also be the opposite when you take a look at it from a perspective outside of sports. When you look at sports, you've got teamwork, you've got camaraderie, you've got hard work, You've got dedication. You've got that don't give up attitude. There's a lot of things relying on your teammate. There's a lot of things that you can learn from sports. You can learn from your coaches. Coaches can learn from players. But it can go too far. Coaches can be bullies. Coaches can yell and scream. You see it on the sideline all the time, whether it's youth sports, high school, the collegiate level, NFL. Now, at some point, it's a business. People making millions of dollars. And so people look the other way. But especially at the lower levels, coaches are bullies. End of story. They can be, not always, but when they get abusive. Okay. So I would always make the statement that let's take that coaching perspective of them throwing things, yelling and screaming at the players, and put it in the classroom. Would it be accepted if a teacher was throwing textbooks and staplers and chalk or the now expo markers across the room if their students didn't get the right answer? Of course not. That'd be uh, ridiculous, right? Those teachers would be ridiculed. But when you take a look at what the college football playoff committee did, taking an undefeated, unblemished, a perfect team and saying that you cannot compete for a national champion because you're not worthy enough because one player on a team of 
Well, let's just say you got 11 starters on both sides of the ball, offense and defense, plus some special teams. So you're just one of 30 to 40 people that are involved in every game, and that's the only person that matters. So now let's put this into academics. So what would happen if the student got a perfect score on a test? A plus, right? Well, what if the teacher came back and said, well, you know, we just don't think you're the same student that you once were. So even though you got them all right, we're going to give you a C or maybe fail you. Well, that wouldn't go over very well now, would it? Yeah, earlier in the semester, you did some good things, but, you know, you've been really slucking off and it's the end of the semester. You really haven't been showing up. Yeah, you got them all right. You aced the test, but we're going to record you a grade of F, D. That would not go over very well at all. And now you might say that's a dumb analogy. How is it? That's exactly what happened. Perfection was denied the result. Now, think about all those players. You have 13 people making a decision. Florida State did everything they could. Now, what happens when all those football players get the news and all their hard work for the entire season, their entire life perhaps, to get to that moment, putting in all the work in the gym, in the film room, on the practice field, all that blood, sweat, and tears that they poured out to get here. And the only reason you cannot go after your dreams, you cannot go after your goals, is not because of something you did. You did not fall short. It's because somebody else outside of your control said you are not worthy of doing this. And the reason you're not worthy of doing it is not because somebody else was better. It's because of perception and pressure and other things I'm sure that was bestowed upon this committee to get Alabama and the SEC in. But think about that. All those asinine reasonings why Alabama should be in over Florida State is absolutely ridiculous. You're probably looking at decisions that were made that have to do with ratings, have to do with attendance, although Florida State travels quite well. Um, The fact that the SEC wasn't in, And so there was probably a lot of people. I mean, you saw if you were watching football toward the end of the season, all these commentators, including Kirk Herbstreit, you could tell their bias towards Alabama and the SEC. And so you've got all this pressure being put upon the committee, and they caved. And so all this blood, sweat, and tears by the players is not rewarded based on somebody else. Again, perfection. Everything you did on the field, the field mattered, and they did what they had to do on the field. And then in the boardroom, imagine that, the boardroom, something else of a decision was made, and you are out. So that tells every single college football player, in fact, tells a lot of people a lot of things. Because, again, if I was that gym owner, what if I, like, you know, had an employee just be like, you know, I'm not working today, and you're going to pay me because – You know, I don't think you're the gym owner that you once were, but you're going to still pay me. Of course, that stuff like that wouldn't work if it went the other way. The journalist. And again, you have to question some of these people on the committee, but you can go look it up and decide for yourself. But again, it tells every single college football player that hard work, effort, and most of all, perfection, which is hard to reach, does not matter. But instead, it's a popularity contest. 
And it also shows that people lack the fortitude to do what is right. 13 people, all professionals supposedly, sat there and tarnished their own integrity, their own character, their name, because they lacked the fortitude to do what was right. And the entire nation knows this, except for SEC biased fans who are blinded by their fandom. Now, when you take a look at this, you can go a step further outside of football. I mean, there's integrity issues going on here. How can you trust anything in college football when winning on the field doesn't matter anymore? And a group of people can just make things up the way they want. And that's just a fact. That's what happened. You had Michigan go undefeated, conference champion, and they got in. You had Washington, a conference champion, go undefeated. They got in. You had Florida State going undefeated, a conference champion, a championship conference that had the likes of Clemson winning national champions just not too long ago, plus Florida State in their history, in recent history, has a couple national champions. So it's not like the Pac-12, where you probably have to go back to USC in the early to mid-2000s to claim some sort of college football national championship. I mean, Oregon couldn't do it. Washington was there a couple years ago, or maybe three or four years by now. They couldn't do it. So why is the ACC being penalized based on whatever criteria when the Pac-12, they're even less of a conference of champions when it comes to college football lately. But again, you've got that integrity issue. You've got an honesty issue really at hand too. I mean, we know money and ratings, I mentioned that the influence of powerful people, well-connected people influencing the decision. And if anyone says anything otherwise, they're just being dishonest. You got disappointment. I mean, think about all those people that spent their time, energy, and money trying to enjoy the football season, thinking they're going to have an opportunity to be a part of the championship drive, and you get hosed at the end of the season. The other thing... And this is something I haven't heard of yet. The other thing that college football fans are getting completely screwed on is the fact that Oregon, by whatever laws they have on the books for this, they have to play Liberty. Liberty University is the highest-ranked non-Power 5 conference team. And so they get an automatic, I guess, New Year's Day or New Year's Six Bowl. So Oregon has to play Liberty Ohio State plays Missouri. If they didn't have that rule about that non-Power 5, we could have had Oregon and Ohio State playing in the game. So not only does Florida State and all their fans get hosed, but college football fans in general get hosed because now we get to watch Oregon run up 100 points on Liberty, and we don't get an Oregon State or, I mean, Ohio State-Oregon matchup, which would have been another great game. So, again, more reasons why college football is becoming less and less fun to be a part of unless you just may be a part of your one team. But if you're a big fan going back a lifetime, it becomes more and more disappointing. And then now you've got uh, Liberty and Oregon, Ohio State and Missouri. Not the marquee matchups that we want to see. So dumb, and that is why fandom in sports is continuing to dwindle especially with the more important stuff going on. There's a lot more important stuff going on. I realize that, 
But again, you have to recognize the fact that a lot of people put time, energy, and efforts and support. Think of the parents that supported these players all those years, whether it was going to training camps or uh, summer camps, football games. You think about all the workouts. I mean, endless amount of time was spent by the parents, by the family members, by the coaches, by the players to get to this point. And then to say, well, you know, you got one guy that's hurt, and so therefore, you know, you can't win on the field. And, oh, yeah, you beat Louisville, but you only scored 16 points. But your defense shut down a top-20 team. But that doesn't matter. Defense doesn't matter. It's one guy, the quarterback, and that's all that matters. I mean, what at what point? And now look at maybe you recall the whole debacle with Caleb Williams, USC quarterback. He was the Heisman Trophy winner last year, started the year 6-0 and this year, and then the whole season collapsed. He ends up crying in the stands with his mom, and his mom has to shield him from the cameras because he's up there crying. And then Lincoln Riley, head coach, comes out and says, well, you know, he's the quarterback at USC. Dude, if you can't handle being quarterback at USC, how in the world are you going to command respect in an NFL locker room and run an NFL locker room and take charge of an NFL team? It's not going to happen. But the latest is that Caleb Williams is now letting his players down, letting his team down, because he's not going to play in the Holiday Bowl. He's decided he's not going to play, even though he's getting a lot of money in the NIL. So again, as you invest in fans, as you invest in uh, games, as you invest in all these things, the people that invested, invested their time, and Caleb Williams is now being let down as he bails on them too. And just another reason why sports is getting worse and worse. Quarterback at Oklahoma. He went 10-2 and two this year. Well, he's in the transfer portal. He's gone. All these quarterbacks, all these players are taken off. It comes down to money. It comes down to greed. It comes down to all these things that at one point sports was supposed to Invest in kids, like the the good traits that you could get from being an athlete, like I mentioned before, teamwork, um, hard work, commitment, band of brothers, band of sisters, if it's a volleyball team or female sports, whatever, okay? You have all this that you're learning, life lessons to be learned through sports is now being tossed away because we've got greed, we've got selfishness, we've got narcissism, we've got everything. Look at LSU basketball, the women's basketball. I mean, anywhere you've got these problems. And so now you're starting to see a pattern with the college football playoff committee. You're starting to see the pattern with people like Caleb Williams that go to the transfer portal and just quit altogether. It screams, this is what it screams, okay? It screams that if life is tough, you quit. That's what we've gotten to. If life is tough, we're going to quit or we're going to bail and go someplace else. I mean, JT Daniels is a quarterback that started at USC. Unfortunately, he's been plagued by injuries, but he started at USC, then went to Georgia, from Georgia, West Virginia, West Virginia to Rice. He's just been bouncing around. I can understand because maybe he's lost his positioning sometimes, and now he's had to quit because of medical reasons, concussions and stuff, but he's going in the coaching ranks. But what happens now when he goes in the coaching ranks and players just quit on him? I'm not calling him a quitter, but you have to think about that. 
at one point, I mean, what if you went into the military and your drill instructor is drilling you, drilling you, drilling you, and you find out, hey, did you go to war? No, I skipped it. I was AWOL. Or did you go through boot camp? No, you know, I, I kind of went home. There would not be the integrity. There would not be the example. There would not be the leadership there for those drill sergeants to instruct those new recruits. And that's what we lack. We lack leadership. Leadership building attributes. Leadership building attributes are being eroded away. And not only in sports, but in society in general. We're being left with a society that is more interested in social media views, likes, clicks, shares, than they are with character and leadership building. I mean, we see it with politicians all the time. We see it in athletes now. We're starting to see it in the military. It's starting to ooze into all levels of society where we are not raising the standard, we're not bringing out our inner greatness, and we are not creating a better world. If you're on social media, I would imagine that you've seen the video. It's the video of that little girl doing the uh, Pledge of Allegiance, and she basically butches it. Has something with like Wango Tango Mango in there or something. You know what I'm talking about. If you don't know, you're not really missing much. Now, the whole world has gone absolutely freaking nuts over this person. Everybody's been duetting and sharing videos and all this stuff. I have a little different perspective based on what I just said. I have a little different perspective. So first of all, America craves, or at least society in general, is starting to crave the lowest levels of intellectual content. Studies have shown that other countries, their content on social media is at a higher learning, academic, intellectual, whatever you want to call it, a higher level than ours. Depending on what, pay, you know, what your algorithm is and stuff, you get certain things. But I can't find any real decent content on there anymore. It's becoming dumber, more sexy, pornographic, if you may, more deviant. Now, it's not everything. Again, I always say there's not a one-size-fits-all thing. I'm just talking about a majority of what comes across my page. And really, if you want to know the history of, let's say, for example, TikTok, I got on there because there were some people back whenever this whole thing started that were on Instagram that were sharing picture-taking, like with your camera phone, like iPhone hacks you need to know or you didn't know, and how to take pictures. That's how mine started, and one person I was following moved over to TikTok, so I went over there to follow some, uh, you know, how to make better pictures with the lighting, exposure, all this stuff, and then it kind of went from there. So my intent was to follow some of these people, and they've all disappeared. And, of course, when the pandemic hit, the algorithm went crazy. Everybody was doing everything, and now I can't find anything that I once was interested in, and now all I get a lot of times is just a bunch of nonsense. And now it's really just people selling stuff is what it is. You scroll through people that used to have remotely interesting content. Now they're just selling stuff. But anyway, so you have this little girl doing the Pledge of Allegiance. And again, everybody's gone nuts over it. My take's a little different. Uh, the first thing that stood out was the fact that I played it over and over and over. And it's the fact that from what I hear, she's dropping the F-bomb a couple times in there, which tells me that she is hearing that someplace else probably those around her, maybe her parents. Again, oh, my goodness. 
Don't be so prudish. People swear. But remember at one point in society, there was a line. Even if parents swore, there was a line that kids did not. And maybe you're too young to remember. Never happened to me, but you're getting your mouth washed out with soap mentality. Parents could say anything, but kids, no. You could not curse whatsoever. But now, eh, we share it on social media and hope it goes viral. The other thing that I can't help to see in this picture, in this video, is the exploitation of a child. Because now that this thing has taken off, you've got people making T-shirts, you've got people profiting off of somebody else, this little girl and what she did. And when you scroll through the previous material, it was just everyday stuff that they were going through, which can be funny, can be good. Did you see that one girl that was at Halloween? She got a banana, and she's complaining. Well, I don't know, three, four, or five-year-old got a banana. Was complaining about a banana, calling it yucky, yucky. Or perhaps if you remember back the OG video of that one girl that got her lipstick from Home Depot. You know, so again, there's some natural things that take place with kids that are hilarious. And sure, I get it. But so maybe that was the the part of what this whole thing started. It was just a video that was there put on social media, which again, I don't know why kids are being put on social media. I don't know why you're putting little ones on social media. I really don't. Social media is so dangerous for these kids. But again, people will do it. And now you're starting to see parental exploitation of kids. And here's another, I'll get to a couple more examples real quick, but on this. So you're scrolling through previous stuff and it's just whatever, everyday things. Now it's intent. Like, oh, let's introduce ourselves now that we're viral. Oh, let's duet with other people that are selling our merchandise and telling them to go buy merchandise so we can make money. People offering percentages of their sales so that they can uh, sell their t-shirts with what she said on there, whatever she mumbled. What would have been impressive if she actually said the Pledge of Allegiance? I don't know. It's a completely differing opinion from what America thinks, and I'm totally fine with that. But parents are exploiting their kids. The examples, okay? I've seen videos where a baby's crying and someone will throw a slice of cheese on their forehead to get them to stop crying. Might be funny to you, but what about that kid? And a parent chucking cheese on the head. Or what about cracking an egg on the forehead of a kid? Have you seen those videos? The kids are sitting there and they're getting ready to make something. And the kid's looking down and then all of a sudden, crack. The egg gets cracked on their forehead and they get mad. Parents are supposed to be a safe place for kids. A place where you go to be comforted. Maybe to learn lessons, you know, to be taught how to do things in life. But especially the younger ones, you know, their whole world is their parents. And now you have parents taking advantage of their kids, violating that security, that safety. And they do it all for the name of likes and views. I mean, what's that about? You're sitting there as a parent and you're, especially if you're a good parent and you love your kids. Obviously, there's a bunch of bad parents out there that don't like their kids. But you love your kids and they're crying. How is it respectful to throw cheese on their forehead? Or how is it respectful to crack an egg on them and think it's funny? 
Now you might say, okay, giving a little kid like a baby, an infant, well, not really an infant, but you know, uh, a young, young one, a lemon or a lime, and they get that sour face. But again, we all know what's going to happen, but that's not really malicious because again, you're introducing kids to certain foods, which they may or may not like. I've seen some videos where they're given like ice cream and they just don't like it. So not everything, again, is necessarily bad. But again, you're starting to see an increase in exploitation of kids by parents for likes and now for money. By the way, I finally saw a video. I've been thinking about this. I've been putting the show together for a little bit now. But um, I always like to wait and comment on things to see how things go. Because then, you know, it changes all the time. But now the story is pretty much settled. But I have some information because... I was looking it up. So basically, when you take a look at the copyright laws, U.S. copyright laws apply to any work as soon as it is created and fixed in tangible form, whether it's registered or not. It grants a set of exclusive rights to a work's owner and protects the owner and work regarding issues of reproduction, distribution, and adaptation. So in this case, you're talking about performing arts. These are examples of copyrighted material, performing arts, visual arts, motion pictures, photography or photographs, and other digital content, original work of authorship covered under copyright can be film, piece of music, dance, book, design, artwork, and more. It's something you produce with a a sufficient amount of creativity. So when I look at that video, that is 100% creative or created, but creativity is 100% to that girl. She basically just made that thing up from what we can tell. The Wango Tango Mango whatever. And now you have people out there making shirts that says make Wango Tango or Mango whatever she says great again and all this other stuff and they're offering 50%. And now I did finally see a video where someone did say that, you know, hey, you should check into, you know, your legal rights, right? Which I guess they're going to But everything that those T-shirt makers, every penny that they're making actually belongs to that little girl or that family because it's all copyrighted because it was put in a tangible form, which is a video on social media. So just a side note that the copyright infringements that people are doing, again, exploitation. And then if you're somebody else, automatically you're being exploitative, you're being exploitative, because you're trying to make money off this person. But the bigger question, as that was just a side note, but the bigger, well, actually not a side note. So if you're putting something out there and people are stealing it, it's yours, just so you know. But the bigger question is, why does society not crave more intellectual content? I mean, some of the content I like, like recently I saw one that had like, I'll just use this as an example. It wasn't the words that they used because the words they used had O-U-G-H-T and they all had different soundings. But this is an example. If you spell the word bomb, B-O-M-B, tomb, T-O-M-B, comb, C-O-M-B, they all end in O-M-B and the only thing that changes is a consonant in the beginning. Why is that? Okay, not the most intellectual, but an example of what I'm talking about. Things like that for me that make the mind think, I like. Things like photography tips and tricks, creative things, 
there's things out there where it says, you know, how old were you when you first learned to do this? And you realize you've been opening a can of tuna wrong your entire life. Things like that. Those are kind of cool things. I'm not saying everything has to be that way, but that's the minority because people are craving things that aren't even intellectual anymore. And you think about all the people that go nuts when TikTok, you know, when the former president Trump was talking about doing away with TikTok. People going nuts. Can't do that. The other thing I find hilarious is people being consumed with what strangers think and say. The influence is being driven by, you know, people, strangers will comment something. So the person then will take that comment, post it in the corner of the screen, and then say, oh, look at that comment. I'm going to comment on that comment. Who cares what a stranger says? It's no big deal. You don't need to make content videos based on what somebody says. It's like, you know, give up already. Just move on. So to me, if you go back to this video, as we wrap up the video story, what really would have been impressive is if this young gal actually said and knew the Pledge of Allegiance. Or let's just start with not dropping F-bombs. But that probably doesn't go viral. And you can't make merchandise out of it. And people aren't going to make money off of it. And so therefore, it's not going to be made. The other thing, if you're doing something like that, what I would hope you at least would remember is that there are veterans out there that sacrificed, that bled and died so that you can make the content that you can on social media, whether you're bastardizing the Pledge of Allegiance or any other thing. There are soldiers out there that sacrificed, bled and died so that you can have the freedom to make that content. And if you don't realize that or recognize that, that makes you even worse. Now, earlier I was couldn't decide whether I wanted to, what story I wanted to start with, but this is a, something that I think is important, okay? You've got two sets of character traits that if you look at somebody, you might see what is their life producing. You've got on one side what would be called, according to Galatians 5 in the Bible, the fruit of the Spirit. That would include love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, Kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. And then you have what they call the acts of the flesh. Sexual immorality, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. Now, we're not going to delve into all of this and cast aspersions on people, but if you were to take a look at these sets of attributes... Which attributes would you want your family and friends to have? What type of people do you want to be around? Do you want to be around people that are producing or showing love, joy, having peace in their life, being patient? Or do you want people that are hating on each other, which social media, Twitter, or X, whatever it is now, people that have no joy whatsoever, no peace in their life, they're always angry, they're always upset, they're always looking for the negative and everything have no patience with anything, no gentleness. But again, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are attributes that for me, I'd rather be around people that have those. Rather, impurity, debauchery, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, envy, drunkenness, and orgies. I know some of you out there are like, oh, geez, oh, yeah, let's do that. But I'm being serious. One of those conversations that's the serious moment. How would you want to be treated? 
would you want to be treated with hate or true love? I'm not talking about, oh, we love everyone. Love's love. I'm talking about true love. Someone is truly vested and invested in you. They're going to treat you properly because we have a choice to make. And when you look at things, look at anything, whether it's on social media, whether it's a committee selecting football teams, you can see what these people are like and perhaps get insight into into who they are based on the outcomes of these things. I mean, you're talking about selfish ambition. I mean, Caleb Williams, for example, is quitting the team and not playing because of selfish ambition. That's all it is. It's just selfish ambition. A lot of people will, will, will look and comment on things. Uh, there's a gal in South Carolina that pops up on my feed, good-looking gal, but everyone will comment on her things. And, it's, and as you look through the comments, it's a, it's a bunch of guys commenting on things, like her voice and the way she talks, for example, was a video. She was finally doing some speaking videos and thinks her voice is, you know, sounds like a 12-year-old with a cold. And was like, no, your voice is lovely, lovely, this, that, or whatever. But other videos, you know, that, that people put, not necessarily her, but other people put, you know, things like that for a guy to look at someone with, uh, that's a good-looking gal, what's your motives? Is it sexual immorality? Is it impurity? Or are you being genuine? Because that good-looking person happens to be putting up good content. Good-looking people can put up good quality content. doesn't always have to be sexually impure or immoral, etc. What about idolatry? Are you worshiping these athletes? Are you worshiping these social media people? I see social media people go crazy when they meet other social media people. That's fine. But it's like, is that your idol? You know, Colossians 3, 2 says, if we are risen with Christ, seek those things which are above, where Christ sits at the right hand of God. Set your affection on things above, not on things on the earth. And if we are setting our things or at least our sights on things above, our affections on things above and not on things of the earth, we are going to produce actions, words, thoughts that are filled with love and joy and peace and patience and gentleness and kindness and so on. Galatians 6.19 says, Do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth. Will moth and rust destroy, thieves break in and steal? But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust destroys, nor do thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, your heart will be there also. We've talked about the heart all the time, and a lot recently. But we talk about the heart. What's on your heart is going to consume your thoughts. Your thoughts are going to control your actions. So if your heart is full of the flesh, then your heart is going to be full of, or your thoughts are going to be full of sexual immorality, maybe impurity, and then your action is going to be accordingly. Or you're going to have, if you have a heart full of lust for money, you're going to have selfish ambition. Or if your heart is full of love for somebody, then your thoughts and actions are going to be, how can I help them? How can I be kind to someone? How can I show peace in a stressful situation? How can I show goodness in this world? Lee Strobel was a guy that uh, was an atheist, talked about him recently. So if you're a frequent watcher, it's maybe repetitive. But for those that don't know, Lee Strobel was a guy that um, was an atheist. His wife became a Christian. Lee Strobel was an investigative journalist for Chicago newspapers. 
So he decided to do some investigating to see if this Jesus of the Bible was real. And as he set out to research, and when we talk about research, we're talking about expert testimony. We're talking about manuscripts. We're talking about, uh, you know, theological discussions with academia. I mean, we're talking about like a full-on, like, investigative study, not just look at Wikipedia. And what he found was that the Jesus of the Bible was true and eventually gave his life. And this is what he had to say. And I think this sums up everything that we need to know. He says, God changed my values. God changed my character, my morality, my worldview, my marriage, my parenting, my relationships. I could never have anticipated what God would do, so I give him all the glory. So God changed his life. He went probably from acts of the flesh, hatred, maybe jealousy, maybe fits of rage, selfish ambition, maybe envy, and instead started to produce things that included love and joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, kindness, faithfulness, self-control. Because, see, we can't do it, but God can. We can't change our lives, but God can. So if you're tired of producing discord, hatred, worshiping other things, you're tired of being envious of everyone all the time, maybe you're tired of being drunk, maybe you're tired of the lifestyle that you live, the lifestyle of those around you and how they're living and you want to get out. And you might think, I can't do it. You're right. But you know who can? God can. So if you're looking to change your life and you're looking to produce more what would be called the fruit of the spirit and less of acts of the flesh, God can change it. God can change you. God changes me every day. And by doing that, you might find yourself in a better situation in life and more importantly, a better situation for all eternity. Every day we see something in the news come out about transgender athletes. Um, I think just the other day I saw, I think it was two cyclists that were men. Now they're supposedly women and they came first and second in the uh, bicycle racing cycling. And of course you had uh, what Leah Thomas was the swimmer. Then you've had, I mean, I've got headline after headline after headline here of people um, you've got a female high school volleyball athlete who suffers a, an, uh, I guess they call them cis, you know, natural born women. Okay. This high school girl suffers a serious head injury after a transgender player spikes abnormally fast ball. I don't know if you've watched volleyball, but I like to watch volleyball. And in the NCAA tournament now, it's NCAA tournament volleyball time, you know, the March madness of volleyball for college volleyball. And if you watch some of these players, man, some of these women can hit the ball. And the lady or the player on the other side receiving the ball, they can't even react. And that's a woman hitting to a woman. Now imagine some dude hitting to a woman. And in this case, it happened, and she suffered a serious head injury. Another headline, shocking field hockey injury sparks fight over transgenderism. Apparently, a dude who is now a woman... um, was playing field hockey. If you don't know what field hockey is, look it up. But it has a hard ball, I guess, or a harder ball, kind of like a lacrosse thing. Uh, I guess it was like the first version of lacrosse, but the ball has to be on the ground, like soccer and lacrosse maybe would be the best way to sum it up. But apparently there was a ball that was lifted into the air while this 
trans woman, this dude, was trying to shoot a goal, and the ball hit a player on the opposing team in the face, and everybody on video just started to just, like they had to turn away, fell to their knees, because apparently her whole face and her teeth just got obliterated because the force by which this guy, who's now a girl playing on the women's uh, field hockey team, struck the ball, just obliterated her face. Um, and then more out, more um, outrage over that as they try to make policy changes. You've got Powerlifting Federation announcing changes to its gender policy because men are outlifting women in uh, powerlifting. Transgender female MMA fighter gives female opponent concussion and broken eye socket. I know that happens all the time, but if you saw Rocky Four, you saw that scene when uh, Ivan Drago throws his punch and that machine registers the force and just goes, and next thing you know, it's like off the charts. It's probably what it's like. Would you want to be hit by that? All these people that are proponents of transgender men or women, whatever they are, dudes playing women's sports, if you're all for that, why don't you go and you be on the receiving end of some of the actions that these other girls are being a part of? And again, it goes back to like what I said with the Florida State. All these guys were sitting there and they were working hard and they were practicing and they committed to the team, the weight room, the film room, learning the plays, practices, all this, and they were denied because a committee said you can't go. That's it. 12 people, 13 people said you can't go, therefore they can't fulfill their dream after all the hard work they put in. And if you're outraged about that, now imagine what it must be like if you're a female and you've done the exact same work, the exact same effort, the exact same everything that Florida State did, and now you cannot do it and cannot achieve your goals, not because you can't compete, but because, hey, some other guy is going to come in claiming to be a woman and he's going to blow you away or get you hurt. And now you can't chase your dreams. You can't achieve your goals. You can't become the champion that you hope for. Or at least you cannot rationally compete because you know you're going to get beat. But here's something that could have went down that I think could have changed the narrative. And here's what I mean. So with field hockey, with boxing, with powerlifting, with volleyball, with all these other sports, track, you name it, it all has to do with physical ability. There's a physical ability component to all those things, okay? Strength, speed, body mass, uh, genetics, what the estrogen, testosterone thing, you know, that all these committees come up and say, well, you need to fit these buckets of how much levels of all the stuff you have. Okay, all that. It's all a part of all those sports. The one sport, possibly two if you want to include bowling, but the one sport that you throw all that out and it's basically based on skill, and that is pool in the pool hall. Not in the swimming pool, on the pool table. A couple stories came out where female pool player forfeits final due to facing trans woman opponent. This one lady received applause from a crowd after leaving her match against Harriet Hines, who I guess is the trans woman. I think this was over in Wales. Uh, some English Pool Association Championship uh, for 2023. And it goes on and she gives her reasons because it's a guy and all this stuff. And then there's another story. A top female pool champion refuses to play against transgender women. And it goes on to talk about Alexandra Kuna, 
a top-ranked pool player, announced she will not be competing against male-born transgender women following the World 8-Ball Pool Federation's decision to allow trans competitors in the women category. Well, here's the thing. I get that. I respect that. That's fine. But here's the thing. If pool is basically a skill sport, and I looked it up. I did some research on it. And really, the only physical advantage that they think, again, they really can't prove it, but they think would give a natural-born male an advantage is on the break. More force to break the ball. Ball goes scattering across the pool table. Okay, let's go with that. Outside of that, it is completely skill. Angles, geometry, spin on the ball, how much force you use, not even like power, but like, you know, force to spin the ball one way, where you hit the ball over there, angles off the the walls of the pool table, all that stuff. So if these women really wanted to make a statement, you think about Riley Gaines. Could Riley Gaines, who is a swimmer that's now an advocate for women's only sports, do you think she could compete with Leah Thomas? I don't know. Maybe not. There are women. I don't know many women that can beat me in all kinds of sports. But you put the best of the best against the best of the best, and most of the time in those type of sports, men are going to prevail just because. And you can go look it up. But in this case, you're talking about finesse, I guess is the key word. Finesse is what we're talking about. These female pool players, if you were that good and you started beating these trans women in pool, they would go away because they would realize that they cannot beat you that they can only go so far, then they would get beaten. So if women in the pool world, pool tables, you know, color money, if you would play these trans men, women, pool players, and beat them, then what you would do is you would take that off the table and you would make them think twice about whether or not they want to compete. But by backing away, which I completely understand and no criticism for that, you just open the door for more and more and more of them to enter your sport. There's another swimmer. I don't know this person. Don't have much information on it because I don't really care, to be honest. But kind of like Leah Thomas was a dude, now is a woman, and uh, is swimming, winning all kinds of stuff. And apparently, uh, according to uh, an English newspaper, you know, posing on, uh, on social media and is acting and living life as a guy, but is competing as a woman because he claims to be. But again, if these women would have played these competitions and won these championships and beated these trans women, they could have set a big something. They could have made a big statement. Let's call it that. They could have made a big statement and said, you know what? It doesn't matter who you are. We're still going to beat you, and we're going to beat you bad, and we're going to keep you from winning championships. And then eventually, because again, everything I looked at, when you look at the, the physics of pool, it comes down to the finesse and it comes down to the smarts, which I'm not going to say it's going to be equal, but it's equal between men and women genders. It's now the player per player. And if you're a better pool player, it doesn't matter. I go down to the pool hall, I'll play anybody. I have people beat me, I beat people. I'm not that good, but there's some people I beat, men, women, don't matter. Men, women beat me, it don't matter. Play doubles, win and lose. It don't matter. So pool, though, is the one area that these women could have made a statement and said, you know what? I'm going to play you. I'm going to beat you. 
I'm going to beat you so bad that you're going to want to leave my sport. Do you only want to finish fifth amongst women? Or would you rather go finish fifth amongst men, your true identity? But I think they could have had an opportunity to make a statement on these couple of things. But yeah, when it comes to, and again, so you go back to those characteristics that we talked about. You might say, well, how can you say that and talk about characteristics, but then, you know, you talk bad about these other people. It's not talking about bad of these other people, but you're talking about selfish ambition, envy. Well, these men are beating me, so therefore I need to go be a woman to win. I mean, Leah Thomas, that's what that person did. Spent an entire lifetime competing as a man and now decided that, oh, the only way I'm going to win is to be a woman. And people are getting hurt. People are getting hurt. Chances are being taken away from women, which where's the women's movement? It was all about empowering women. And now you're empowering men who want to be women. Like I said, from the outset, this world has become a nutty place. And all we can do is take it a day at a time. This is Two Steps Ahead Podcast, encouraging you to take your passion, make it happen, let yourself be great. Check out our website, radiowarp.com. That's radio, W-A-R-P. RadioWarp.com. You can click on the Two Steps Ahead podcast logo and all of our past shows pop up. There's some other podcasts and things on there as well that you can check out. As of now, we have a Listen Live link at the top where you can click on it and a live streaming internet radio station pops up with a lot of 80s music and some other podcasts and things like that. Uh, So a lot of good entertainment there is what I'm saying. You can also uh, check us out on Instagram. TWO is our two, so not the number two. We spell it out, TWO. So Instagram, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Facebook, Two Steps Ahead Podcast. Um, you can internet search, again, TWO, Two Steps Ahead Podcast, and we pop up. So if you have a hard time finding us, just do that internet search. Um, you can listen to the uh, podcast pretty much anywhere. You listen to podcasts, but we also have a SoundCloud page that you can subscribe to and be notified when new episodes pop up. We have a Rumble page, uh, also on YouTube, but sometimes we get banned from YouTube, so we went to Rumble. Um, But again, you can subscribe, and you can never miss an episode. SoundCloud, you can actually download the episodes and take them with you on the go. Um, We're on Spotify, for as long as that's around. Uh, Pandora, iHeartMedia, Apple Podcasts. Hey, Surrey. Hey, Google. Play TWO, Two Steps Head Podcast, and our episodes pop up. So there's a lot of ways that you can find us. It's pretty simple. You can reach out to the show, and you can email us at twostepsaheadpodcast at gmail.com. That's twostepsaheadpodcast at gmail.com. If you want to uh, comment on the show, reach out, or whatever, or you just need a friend for the holidays, uh, whatever it might be, uh, give me a little bit of time. I do respond. But, um, yeah, email us. But um, as we go through life's journeys, a lot of things are going to be popping up. A lot of things are going to be coming our way, a lot of obstacles, whether it be being denied going to a championship tournament because 13 people just basically said, no, we don't think you're worthy. First of all, if I was Florida State, I would tell them not to rely on the words of 13 individuals that don't know what they're talking about because Florida State is definitely a championship team. Florida State went undefeated. And again, for those people to say you're not worthy after putting on that time, effort, and energy is horrific. And I think they set the bad example. 
and they furthered the cause as to why college sports and young people are struggling these days because instead of proper feedback and proper recognition, it gets bastardized by influence, selfish ambition, envy, strife, all those other things. So that's going to come your way. But don't let the eyes of other people dictate who you are. Know inside your heart that you're a champion. Know inside your heart that you put in all the work. Know inside your heart that you are a winner. And if that's in your heart, then that's going to be in your mind. And your mind is going to be thinking, I am a winner. Your mind's going to be thinking, I am a champion. Your mind's going to be thinking, I can do good things. And then your actions are going to follow suit. And then pretty soon you are raising the standard in your life. You are bringing out your inner greatness. You are taking your passion and you're making it happen and you're letting things be great. You're letting yourself be great. And then others around you will see that in you and be like, hmm, if they can do it, so can I. And then they will follow your example. And then maybe somebody else and somebody else and somebody else. And then people that you might not even know or ever realize because of this trend of influence, of positivity comes back to you. And now you've just helped raise the standard in your neighborhoods, in your communities, in your cities at the grassroots level. So again, don't let anybody tell you to live inside this box. Live outside the box. As long as you're moving towards greatness, doing something good, something positive. Again, fruits of the spirit. If you're moving towards and your actions and words and thoughts, love, Joy, peace, patience, gentleness, goodness, faithfulness, self-control, those type of things. As long as you're moving in those directions to produce that, you're doing great. Sure, there's going to be times we fall and do other things. That's a part of it. But as long as we're moving in that one direction, you're going to be all right. Two Steps Ed Podcast. I'm Son Edom. Take your passion. Make it happen. Let yourself be great. Until next time, God bless.